Welcome everyone to the Polaris podcast. I am Jeremy Whippeck, a partner at the Polaris Wealth Advisory Group, and we have with us Jeff Powell. So Jeff is our managing partner and the chief investment officer of the firm. Jeff, very nice to talk to you today. Well, thank you, Jeremy. So Jeff, uh, obviously this is a very exciting time in the markets. So we're in earnings season. This is where companies get to uh, show the successes, hopefully successes, um, uh, with everything that's been happening. And we just had some of the bigger names in our market report. So names like Apple, Google, um, Facebook, and they had blowout earnings. Um, in most cases, they were the highest earnings that they'd had for that quarter. And yet we're at a point where the market isn't rallying like a lot of people would have expected. And so I'm curious as to your thoughts as to why is that happening? Do we have valuation problems, support projection problems? And then on top of that, uh, the market got spooked recently with some of the comments from uh, previous uh, Fed chairwoman, uh, Janet Yellen, who's now the uh, in charge of the uh, US Treasury, where she talked about inflationary pressures and interest rate expectations and the market sold off after those comments. Um, she actually retracted some of those statements or at least watered them down a bit and the market fought back. But can you just kind of help us connect the dots here? What's What's happening and why is the market not necessarily having the reaction that people would initially expect with some of the positive news that's come out lately? Yeah, it was kind of interesting, Jeremy. I was actually on Shutter TV uh, last week, right when um, right when Amazon was reporting. And so uh, they actually cut for me to go to them, go figure. But, uh, um, you know, I, I've let my ego uh, go aside there slightly, but they were raising the exact same question. You know, you've seen Apple um, and, you know, you've seen Microsoft really, we've, we were always referred to these guys as the fab five because of uh, their, their sure size within the market. So the thing that we've got to keep in mind is, is sort of a few fold. Um, you know, one is, and we've been talking about this, if you remember for more than a year, which is that that fab five represents 25% of the market capitalization of the S&P. So if you're looking at it purely on an index and index basis, uh, those five stocks are going to have a massive influence on the index and how it moves. Uh, the other thing that we've been talking about for a very long time is the valuation. And so one of the things that we hit on was that the Fab Five is trading, uh, or at least was trading, at almost twice its normal historical valuations. And so I think you kind of hit it on the head. I mean, Amazon, Facebook, uh, the initial reaction on both were very positive. And then once the initial knee-jerk reaction of, oh, blowout earnings, this is fantastic. And I was like, well, still, that's pretty expensive. And so both of them have sold off. Microsoft has sold off. Uh, if you really look at, uh, at all of them, you're really not looking at any one of those stocks that has been uh, driving its earnings. Again, Google had a, a gap up uh, last week and has been uh, slowly deteriorating down. It's slightly above where it was, but it's deteriorating down. So uh, to kind of round out the Fab Five, uh, again, for those that don't remember that we're talking about Amazon, Apple, Microsoft, Google, and Facebook as the Fab Five. And we're, we, we throw in Google's uh, Class A and B shares because Obviously, they're pretty much the same company, uh, so therefore, we want to make sure that we capture the, the right market capitalization uh, on that. 
but you've seen it really across the board. I mean, if you wanted to even uh, throw our number six stock on the list, which is Tesla, it's been, uh, again, uh, slowly uh, drifting down here over the last couple of weeks. And, you know, some of it's just sure exhaustion. I mean, these are stocks that have done extremely well. They've run up significantly. It's not like they have uh, performed poorly for an investor, depending on the length of time that they've been invested in it. So if they've been longer term in what they've been doing, um, you know, it's it's certainly something that uh, we would expect uh, to see with really any stock if it had that much of a run up. So just the fact that it's the bigger names and you know the higher profile names, I think it's raising a little bit more attention to the whys. But uh, overall, you know, when we're looking at it, we're having a blowout earnings season. Uh, we're having uh, you know really really strong numbers, as would be expected with as much stimulus money that's been thrown at this. And Jeff, can you walk us through a little bit on why Janet Yellen's comments had such an impact on the market? Obviously, she didn't say anything too dramatic, but uh, the market certainly had a very strong reaction to her comments about inflation and interest rate expectations. Why, why the reaction there and why the need for her to kind of walk back some of those comments after the market started reacting? Well, inflation is is obviously never, uh, it's a buzzword. It's never something that uh, people really want to hear about uh, along those lines. But you know, essentially what you're talking about is the price of goods uh, getting more expensive uh, and that your dollar's not going as far. And so when you're looking at something like that, uh, you know, you're really talking about a headwind in corporate earnings, a headwind in you know, people's standard of living, things of that nature that uh, all have an impact across the board. Now, the ironic part of it, uh, you know, I would even say silly, is we've just got done cutting, you know, multiple trillions of dollars worth of stimulus. What do people think was gonna happen? I mean, this is, this is economics 101. Uh, again, we've been talking about this for a very long time. You know, you're gonna see a devaluation of currency, which is a, a direct, uh, relations to inflation. So you either have uh, kind of a combination of higher rates or you've got a, a drop in the dollar, which is something that we've been eyeing quite considerably. And again, it's one of these things where this is not a shock or should not be a shock to the system. So I think it's just really uh, people being reactive. I mean, you have seen the dollar. Dollar had a great first quarter um, and then it's done nothing but fall uh, from that point. Uh, and has lost most of, not all, but most of its gain um, so far in April and the beginning of, of May. So again, one of those things that we're just kind of keeping a close eye on. Uh, we constantly are looking at Fed futures. We're constantly looking at earnings. Uh, you know, we've got, like I said, a very strong earnings season coming in. So uh, we want to make sure that, uh, that those things are all understood. You know, the other thing that, you know, they were blaming yesterday's uh, move on was, again, the, the fact that there is a, the possibility of a, a new capital gains tax rate and, oh, well, by the way, new corporate tax rates. So, uh, again, this was not a huge um, a shock or shouldn't be a huge shock. This is all information that was out there. But, I mean, I think that it was just kind of one of those things that were, you know, I, I joke about this where you've got a uh, an entire flock of geese, let's say, that are hanging out, and one of them gets spooked and starts to fly away, and then all the rest of them fly away. Well, 
99% of them have no idea whatsoever of why they have taken off from the location that they were. It's just the one that got spooked. And so really that's, I think, the majority of what's going on here. Um, right now, if you're looking out at Fed futures, you've seen a little bit of a, a movement, but really not much. I mean, um, you know, we're, we're sitting at almost a 90% probability of the Fed doing absolutely nothing through the rest of the year. Now that's a little bit, uh, it's deteriorated a little bit over the last month. It was 6% chance versus an 11% chance, but it's still looking like the Fed is going to allow things uh, to heat up. I mean, if you look at us from an economic standpoint, Jeremy, we're still below where we were uh, pre-pandemic. Um, we've got some, some, you know, st still quite a bit of ways to go before our economy is going to be back up, running, and moving. So I don't think the Fed is going to make any moves until we've really kind of cleared this pandemic um, and they can kind of blow the all clear signal. Yeah, thank you for uh, kind of laying out the uh, the framework for what we're operating within. And that makes a lot of sense that if one or a few people get spooked that everyone else kind of follows because they want to make sure that uh, they're not missing something and getting caught in a trap that uh, they just uh, didn't see coming. Uh, Jeff, can you talk a little bit more about the fact that we still haven't fully recovered uh, back to pre-COVID levels, but we're certainly um, well on our way. What does the rest of 2021 and 2022 look like? Are we expecting to fully recover this year? Is it going to be a multi-year recovery? Uh, what are the expectations there? Well, I think that it really kind of depends on if you're looking at this from a domestic only or if you're looking at it from a global standpoint. Um, obviously, you know, one of the things that the United States did very well in the beginning of the pandemic was to uh, not put all their chips uh, in one basket. They actually invested in and uh, paid up for uh, the vaccinations that are going on right now by basically supporting uh, 10 different companies that they thought were the leaders that would be at the best chance of coming up with a vaccine. So the United States uh, continues to lead uh, the world with regard to the immunizations, uh, which is allowing for the United States to open up more than a lot of other places. I mean, obviously, you know, we're hearing about the tragedies going on in India right now. Uh, same thing was going on in Brazil, and it's gotten better, but certainly far from good. Um, you've got places like Germany, which are uh, kind of going back and forth with uh, seeing, you know, spikes and and what's going on with the COVID virus there. So uh, it's going to be a little while. And, and I mean, again, I think that there's this this belief that um, you know, once you're vaccinated, you're home free. I mean, we actually, I just got noticed that one of my kids' schools, uh, uh, an administrator who was fully vaccinated, uh, just came down with COVID. So this does not mean that we're completely out of the woods. This means that we need to be smart. We need to be vigilant. We can, you know, start being better about certain things. Uh, but it does not mean that we're out of the woods by any stretch. So um, we need to be moving towards herd immunity. Uh, you're starting to hear a little bit of resistance in different pockets of uh, political belief and social economic, uh, you know, that they're not willing to get the vac vaccination, which, again, if we don't get really the numbers up into kind of, kind of the high 70s, low 80s, we're not going to have herd immunity, which means that, you know, yes, you have uh, the benefit of having the antibodies in your in your system. Uh, but it's certainly not going to eradicate COVID uh, from our vocabulary anytime soon. 
if we continue to see it popping up in different regions. So that's, I think, part of you know, sort of that overhanging cloud that uh, uh, is keeping the market from really rallying. I mean, we've got uh, an amazing earnings season, as I've been kind of alluding to. So far, 60% of the companies in the S&P 500 have reported, with 86% of them reporting uh, positive earnings surprise and 78% reporting positive revenue surprise. It's the highest level ever since they started tracking it, which only has been about 12 years, but still, those are big numbers. Uh, we've seen an increase of, of uh, 23% uh, with earnings estimates going forward. These are really, really, really strong numbers. And so the markets really should be rallying significantly. It's things like valuation, overvaluation, you know, does the economy open up? You know, are we dealing with this from both a domestic as well as a global basis? These are the overhanging uh, things that are the headwinds keeping the market from just going from, you know, not doubling from where we are right now. So we are expecting still a strong end to the year, Jeremy. You'd asked it directly, I'll, I'll throw it out there. Uh, I think that it's, again, still very stimulus driven. Um, you know, the hope out of this, and we had President Biden come out today uh, saying that he was hoping that we got to a herd immunity uh, by July 1st uh, with shots in arms. And, you know, that's certainly uh, the last time he set out a goal. Uh, he has superseded that. So uh, that's certainly the, the hope out there is that we will see um, our country start taking this uh, as seriously as they should. I mean, it's real easy to let down your guard. Uh, but, you know, it's it's really well, one of these things that I think that we're uh, quite proud of, of how this country has responded to it. But we're not out of the woods. So until we're out of the woods, until we got the all clear, I think that you're still going to have a market that, uh, again, uh, has one of those uh, worries that, uh, that we talk about with the uh, bull market climbing a wall of worry. Yeah, thanks, Jeff. Um, really appreciate your insight there. And I know that this is something that I've asked you uh, a couple of times in the past, and I think it's worth repeating here. Um, obviously, the way that portfolios have been constructed largely for the last I mean, five, 10 years, it's not working right now. So for example, it was a very effective strategy to overweight tech within a portfolio since that sector did quite well um, until about the end of third quarter, fourth quarter last year, and certainly in 2021. What is working? What are you doing um, within the portfolios to get in front of this second wave of uh, performance within the recovery? Well, yeah, we've we've had a, a, an outstanding year. Uh, in fact, you know, uh, some of the performance and strategies are year or multiple year-like types of performance, which uh, uh, has been a lot of fun to sit there and be able to deliver to some of our clients, uh, especially within our stock strategies, where we can be a little bit more laser precise uh, with how we're allocating uh, money. Uh, number one is we're underweighing uh, fixed income. And the fixed income that we do have is non-traditional. Uh, we're not going out and just buying the yield curve and having some corporates some treasuries and munis in there. Uh, that is a great way of uh, lowering your returns right now. We're in a zero interest rate environment with uh, one way for it to go, and that is up. Uh, you do not want to be in a rising interest rate environment uh, with a you know with with a bond that you've locked in a low uh, yield to maturity for an extended time period. It just makes no sense whatsoever. So that would be number one. Again, number two, look outside of the conventional. Look to high yield. 
look to converts, uh, look to preferreds, look to international. Um, those are areas that you can actually pick up some reasonable yield, uh, perhaps some growth. Uh, high yield is a really nice way of saying junk bonds from days past, if you want to kind of go back into your history books and think about it that way. But as economies improve, so does high yield, because the, the potential of uh, the default risk goes down dramatically as a result of uh, what they're doing there. So number one is, the, you know, we kind of believe that this whole notion of a 60-40 split for retirees or a 50-50, uh, that's broken, and that's not returning anytime soon. So we're looking at that as one of the, the major arguments and one of the major concerns that are out there for most investors is that are invested far too conservatively. And then the second major one, and you just kind of hit on it, Jeremy, is people are still chasing what was working last year. Uh, we've said this time and time again, is that the leadership within a market changes. And what we mean by that is what was working, what led you out of the recession that we were in, in 2020, is not going to be what takes you to new highs. It just simply isn't. So we've had a huge run. The work from home, play from home, that is a very, very, very tired uh, part of the marketplace. If you go back and, and look at certain parts of the market, like you go back and look at a, a Zoom, uh, a Teladox, a Clorox, all of these companies are doing nothing but going straight down right now uh from their highs back in the fall so you don't want to be sitting there playing around with that um you know there was also obviously you know a really kind of hot market with regard to kind of the ipo you know the the private ipo marketplace that's been blowing up on people's faces too where we've seen uh, major 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 um drops in the marketplace 20 30 40 percent drops and people are are allowing that to have a, a really negative uh, you know, impact on their overall portfolio. This comes down to the basics. It's coming back down to you know, what fundamentally is out there. What's undervalued? Why is it undervalued? Is it undervalued for the right or the wrong reasons? You know, you can have the cheapest company on the face of the planet, and you may not want to touch it with a 10-foot pole. We cheap because, oh, by the way, its business is falling apart. That's not what we're looking for. We're looking for great companies that are undervalued, underappreciated uh, for the wrong reasons. And we want to put that in your portfolio, uh, knowing that we have a very good opportunity of making some significant money if they just get back to normal. Uh, so we've been doing a lot of that type of thing. And then also, uh, Jeremy, a lot of uh, um, kind of blend approach to what's going on, sort of the valuation, but also looking uh, at strong business models that have uh, the ability to grow their earnings in the future as well. Yeah, thanks, Jeff. Um, and I have to uh, concur. It's been uh, really, uh, I guess, exciting, for lack of a better way of saying it, in sharing results that uh, the Polaris strategies have achieved this year, because you're right. Uh, in many cases, it looks like multi-year results in a span of four months. So a lot of opportunity out there uh, that Polaris has been able to get in front of. But the key is that by moving where the markets were going, not by chasing where the market had been. And that was uh, certainly a key differentiator. And obviously that's much harder to do. It's really easy to look at a chart and see what has done well, much harder to look and actually uh, try to project the future. But uh, something that we've done exceptionally well here 
in the last uh, 12 to 18 months. And I would argue just as much opportunity going forward with everything that's happening. Um, any last comments or remarks on this before we, uh, we wrap up today? Well, the analogy that I love using with what you just talked about, Jeremy, is, is uh, a football analogy. And I know that not everybody plays football, but I'm, I'm assuming uh, that just about everybody on this call has seen a quarterback throw a football to a wide receiver. Um, and so you know, wide receivers run a pattern. It's a predetermined pattern. Uh, they, sometimes there's some discretion depending on what's going on with the, def the, the defense. But bottom line behind it is uh, these guys work uh, vigilantly on timing of everything. And so the quarterback's not throwing to where the wide receiver is. They're throwing to where the wide receiver will be you know, in a, mere, you know, a few seconds. But still, they're throwing out to an area uh, in the future where they're expecting their wide receiver to be. And that's a lot like you hit on, uh, you know, what you're saying, Jeremy. It's a lot of what we're dealing with right now. What should benefit from the stimulus program? What should, you know, benefit from you know, all, you know, the, the opening up of the economy? What should be, you know, so it's all of these thought processes. It's a juggling act. You know, there's, uh, there's certain things that we're looking at uh, for right now. There's certain things that we're looking at, you know, just a few months. There's also some, some pretty major strategic things that we're looking at, you know, a few years time from now and saying, we need to keep our eye on this because this could be a massive opportunity for us. So these are the things that we're constantly looking at. So it's it's keeping our eye on the prize of what we're dealing with immediately and then kind of making sure that we're uh, staying strategic for the long term as well as the short term. Uh, the biggest thing, though, is control what you can control. I mean, if you, if you really want the best advice kind of going forward, you know, can you control the fact that there's going to be inflation? No. You can. Where's the best place to invest, though? Stock market. You know, so you're going to try to outpace what's going on with regard to inflation. That's the way they do it. If you look at what went on in the 60s and 70s, uh, when we had uh, much higher inflation, if you just stayed in the stock market, you would have been fine. I mean, you need to be tactical within it, but it's still one of those things where you had the better opportunity rather than uh, to get absolutely smashed within the bond market. So that's where I would leave things, Jeremy. Just don't be reactive. Uh, realize that you know we're in front of it. Realize that you know, there are going to be times that the uh, entire flock is going to take off for absolutely no reason whatsoever, other than sentiment. They're they're afraid, and uh, that we need to be a little bit more vigilant uh, with how we're looking at things and being smart about uh, the decisions that we're making. We're certainly not going to just uh, fly off into the air. Uh, just because uh, some of the people around us are getting spooked. So it's being smarter about it. Yeah, uh, that's uh, definitely great advice, Jeff. And to all of our listeners, uh, if any of you have a portfolio that was perhaps constructed a few years back and hasn't been adjusted, or if you're sitting on a, a significant cash or uh, fixed income portfolio that needs to be reviewed, definitely reach out to myself, Jeff, your wealth advisor or a player sales director, we'd be more than happy to give you a second opinion. A lot of times there are very effective ways that we can uh, get that portfolio aligned with what should continue to do well, not only this year, but into the years to come. So definitely welcome that uh, conversation with you. And as always, thank you so much for your time. Jeff, thank you for your expertise today. Really enjoyed uh, the thoughts that you shared with us. My pleasure. So and to uh, all of our listeners, as always, be happy. Be safe and be healthy. 
Polaris Wealth Advisory Group, LLC, is a federally registered investment advisor. The information, statements, and opinions expressed in this material are provided for general information only and are subject to change without notice. This material does not take into account your particular investment objectives, financial situation, or needs, is not intended as a recommendation to purchase or sell any security, and is not intended as individual or specific advice. It should not be construed as investment, legal, or tax advice. Before acting on this material, you should consider whether it is suitable for your particular circumstances and, if necessary, seek professional advice. Polaris Wealth does not offer professional, legal, or tax advice. All information contained herein is believed to be accurate, but accuracy cannot be guaranteed. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where Polaris Wealth Advisory Group, LLC, and its representatives are properly licensed or exempt from licensure. Past performance is no guarantee of future returns. Diversification does not assure a profit or protect against loss. Investing involves risk and possible loss of principal capital. No advice may be rendered by Polaris Wealth Advisory Group, LLC, unless a client service agreement is in place.